Like how many times in your lifetime has somebody said your name or read your name, right? You couldn't even calculate that. I don't even think chat GPT could figure that out. <laughs> but if you think about your company name the same way, think about how long, how often somebody says or reads or hears the name of your company. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. If you've ever eaten a Wendy's Baconator, you have literally eaten the words of today's guest, brand name expert, Alexandra Watkins. She's the outspoken founder of Eat My Words, the only branding firm on the planet that specializes in creating brand names that make people smile instead of scratch their heads. Countless entrepreneurs have tapped her and her firm to come up with creative and engaging names that move people and get sales. Robert talks with I. Alexandra Watkins about the value of a name, how to know if a name is good, but also how to know if it's really bad. Not just the name of your company, but product names, course names, how to protect your names beyond just owning a domain name, which is really no protection at all. Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm looking forward to learning about your story as an entrepreneur and your book and your brand. And so just looking forward to to just sharing you with our audience. Thanks, Robert. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So typically I start each show with a guest just sharing their own entrepreneurial journey. Okay. Well, I began my career as an advertising copywriter and I was traveling. I was traveling quite a bit uh, just in my free time. And I wanted more time off to travel. And I asked, I already had three weeks vacation a year, which I realized was really generous. I was working at an ad agency and I asked if I could buy some extra vacation time and they said no. So I quit, I quit my job so I could, you know, have more time to travel. And I just, I locked out. It was right when the dot-com gravy train was taking off and I was living in the epicenter in San Francisco. So I was able to get a lot of work writing websites and I, I did all that until the dot-com gravy train crashed in my backyard. I took a year <laughs> off. I went traveling and I came back and decided I don't want to write websites anymore. I want to just do what I love, which is, and I looked through my portfolio. I had named a lot of, I had worked on a lot of food pro, uh, clients. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I named my business Eat My Words. And it started out just copywriting. But then I got into naming. And I, I love naming. I always had. And so I just decided that's all I want to do are names and taglines. And that was almost 20 years ago. 
Fantastic. All right. For those entrepreneurs listening, I, I just, I, I know many of them are saying what you get paid for names and taglines. <laughs> like, how's that even possible? Yeah, I know. It's really crazy that people will pay me to do something I love and that I'm good at, but yeah. Um, my claim to fame is I named the Wendy's Baconator. That's, that's something to be proud of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a name that's holding up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's son of Baconator, there's Baconator fries. Yeah, Baconator has its own Wikipedia page. So I'd say <laughs> there's it's a so breakfast well. Baconator now, I think. Oh, yeah, there's breakfast Baconator. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, but I assume that's not your only name. So, obviously, no. 20 years of 20 years of naming that's that's pretty incredible. So, yeah, so let's dig into the value of, of naming and, and for those entrepreneurs, you know, listening, why. Why is naming so important? What what makes this such a valuable commodity? Well, if you think about it, I mean, think about your own personal name. Like how many times in your lifetime has somebody said your name or read your name, right? You couldn't even calculate that. I don't even think ChatGPT could figure that out. <laughs> but if you think about your company name the same way, think about how long, how often somebody says or reads or hears the name of your company right? Again, you can't really calculate it, but your name will last longer than any other investment you make in your business. <clears throat> so if you think about, you know, all of the, think about all the iPhones that you'll ever own in your life or, or phones or office equipment or, you know, employees that you'll go through. All of those things, we churn through them, right? There are expenses we see on our profit and loss sheet, but the name is always constant, right? The name will always be there. So, it's going to, it's, you have to have a name that's going to last forever and be timeless and that you love and other people love because you're kind of stuck with it. You can change it. It's not, it's never too late to change your name, but uh, it's better to get it right the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Cause then when you change it, you're always known as like, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince or exactly exactly because <laughs> he kind of changed his name to something that you couldn't name. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so crazy. So obviously naming is, is a part of the branding element. So help, help me understand the value of branding and, and how the naming your, how your role plays in the, in the branding conversation. Okay. Well, I think it would be good if people think about, Let's go back to using your own, to our own names, right? So a lot of people name their business after themselves and your own name doesn't say anything about who you are, or what you do. So I'll give you an example of how a name can become your brand and take on a life of its own. So there was a publicist we work with named Lynette Hoy and Lynette is a fiery woman and she's very persistent when she works with the press. So we rebranded her Fire Talker PR. Her tagline is hot on the press because she's relentless. And she calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. She has packages like Controlled Burn and Firestarter. Um, she has a theme song. And if you have a name, a brand name, you can get a th you can create your own theme song or find a theme song. So Lynette's theme song is Fire by the Ohio Players. And every time she does a speaking engagement, 
webinar, she cranks that up and it gets people on their feet moving. And it's not this, you know, when you go to a speaking engagement and the speaker's like, okay, everybody stand up and turn to the right. And you're like, oh, just cringe, right? But like that song gets gets people pumped up. It, my theme song at Eat My Words is, is uh, Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Nice. <laughs> a throwback to a more innocent time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously branding somebody with fire is pretty powerful. And, and obviously that affects the brand of her products and, and naming. So she basically created a naming convention for, yeah. for everything that she's doing. And when you have a name like that, it, it attracts people. So I know you're in, in Colorado and we named a, a cupcake store there. And, you know, cupcake stores, they used to be, you know, there's one on every other corner. And her 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 name is Portia Lovely. And so she called her business Lovely Confections. But people didn't know that was her last name. And Confections also didn't say cupcake. So we wanted to create a cu cupcake store with a cult following. So uh, I came up with the name, uh, the Church of Cupcakes. And nice. her tagline is worshipers welcome. And she calls herself the church lady. So we've got the church lady, the fire chief. So when you have a name like that, people are attracted to it. They have fun with it. You can create merchandise. You can monetize your name with merchandise. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about your book and, and the, the story behind, you know, making the decision to write your book and, and what that's led to. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so not what you would think. Uh, yeah. My editor posted something on LinkedIn yesterday, a photo of all these people climbing Mount Everest and this big line and talking about all these people that come to him with book ideas. And, you know, most people think they have a great idea, but they're just one of many. And so I had the opposite experience. I didn't approach a publisher. They approached me. So I did not, and I did not want to write a book. So it was very different than the re the regular process. And uh, I was finally convinced to write a book. I'm really glad I did. But yeah, the book is called Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. And it's a step-by-step -step guide to teach you how to, how to name anything, products, uh, companies, services, podcasts. And uh, the book came out, the first, the first edition came out, and it was almost immediately uh, inked. Inc. Magazine put it on a top 10 uh, marketing book list, and uh, it has 731 reviews on Amazon. So it's done really well, and it's been, hey, it's been great for business. I highly recommend having a book. Nice. So I guess obviously the book is about naming, <laughs> mm -hmm. but who's, who's the book targeted towards? The book is really, so I wrote the book for people who couldn't afford to hire Eat My Words because, you know, we're not, we work with a, a lot, we work with a lot of big companies and not every, you know, we're not right for everyone, but I made the book, you know, it's under 20 bucks and anybody can read it. And I just talked to a guy today who, who, who I talk to people all the time who read the book and come up with names. So it was done to teach people how to brainstorm the five qualities that make a name great, the seven things when you got to scratch it off the list. Uh, I go into uh, name changes and kind of the pros and cons of name changes, almost all pros, very few cons. 
the only con really is that it can be expensive, but you know, if your name's going to last forever, it's worth the investment. Yeah. And I, I have a whole chapter on corporate creativity where I talk about uh, what, what people, just really creative ways people are using names at work to, you know, liven up the workplace. So for instance, uh, Etsy, their meeting rooms are musician food mashups. And this is a way to get your employees involved, right? They can name, anyone can name a conference room. You don't have to trademark it. So uh, some of their conference room names are Fleetwood Mac and Cheese, nice Sushi and the Banshees, Nine Inch Snails, and <laughs> Oreo Speedwagon. Nice. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I talk about job titles, like interesting job titles, uh, like fun job titles. You know, one of them is Master of Disaster. I, I love that one. That's for a, a map website. Um, another, but then I, you know, when I talk about when it's appropriate to have a creative title and when maybe not, like the CEO of McDonald's wouldn't call himself Lord of the Fries. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think it would be awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always considered um, making myself a, a, oh, no, not my coming. Dream recovery specialist, like, a you know, the tow truck driver for your dream to hook it back up and rescue it from the ditch. That oh, my God. That's good. Because, yeah, I drive my dream car. And that's what I need, a dream recovery specialist when that happens. Exactly. I love it. That's dream really good. It's very, it's very clever dream house <laughs> no we can make the whole thing pink and <laughs> add it to the dream house i like it <laughs> i have a pink car do you see my pink car behind I me i do absolutely yeah, it's a barbie barbie corvette yeah <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> thank you right. my porsche yeah. is not pink but <laughs> it did cross my mind <laughs> it did all right so obviously you, your book has done well your 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 business is doing well and are you are you going to write a second book? What's uh, what's next? No, I'll never write another book. I I wrote the second edition, which has is a hundred. The first book was a hundred pages. The second book was one hundred and fifty. So I really added a lot, and I might update it, you know, again to a third edition. Um, it was completely up to date. You know, everything was accurate. And then ChatGPT came along, and <laughs> I it, it needs to have something about that in there. Probably. Of course, by the time I would write the second edition, there would be some other, you know, something else out to write about. But yeah, that ChatGPT has really changed the landscape. Um, it's great for kicking off brainstorming, alliteration, um, research, looking for metaphors. It's super helpful. Yeah, so my wife actually has used ChatGPT to do your job. She basically put in all the aspects of her her role as she saw it and said, give me a list of 10 names for the person doing, you know, this type of work. And uh, so now she calls herself a journey navigator for women, um, helping them explore. So now she needs to do the same thing for taglines. <laughs> so yep. she could add it to her tagline. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure she trademarks that. If she hasn't already, oh, there you go. Let me give you a, uh, I'll give everybody a name. This is a great trademark firm and they're really affordable. Uh, they're called Indie Law, I-N-D-I-E. And 
yeah, Indy Law will, they'll do a brand protection call with you. They'll, you know, run a, a trademark screen or two on any names that you are considering. And then if you do want to move forward and trademark your name, they're, they're very, very affordable. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, he might even be a good guest, Joey Vitale, the attorney, to talk about protecting your brand because it is really important. And there's a lot of things people don't. There's a lot of, I'll just tell you all while you're here. <laughs> um, there's a lot of misperceptions about trademarks and ownership. Just because you own, and this is a really common misperception, just because you own a domain name doesn't mean you own the trademark. Right. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many, uh, yeah, we. I had a guy call one time that had purchased a domain name for 45 grand and then found out he couldn't get the trademark. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, that's a wound. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. Yeah, I think you would have done a little more research to spend that much money on a domain. <laughs> yeah, people don't. People get really excited and they let's talk about domains though, because that is something that people get have a lot of confusion over too. Sure. Uh people, every entrepreneur I talk to says, Oh, I bought you know dozens of domain names when naming my business, because people pounce on them. And we tell people don't buy any domain names. You know, unless they're $9.95 on GoDaddy and you're sure that's going to be your name, don't bother just buying up all these names because people do that and, and then you end up not using them. So I would say nail your name first and then get your domain name. And a lot of people don't realize some really, uh, some really uh, famous companies didn't start off with an exact match domain name. So for instance, Tesla for the first 13 years went by teslamotors.com. And what what people need to think about, you know, just like I had you think about your own name and how often people use it. Think about if you wanted to test drive a Tesla and you, this is, let's say this is 10 years ago and you go to tesla.com, you would be greeted by a really ominous looking screen that said, this site is owned by GandhiNet. So what would you do? Would you just give up? No, you'd just go to your browser and type in, you know, Tesla cars, Tesla test drive, you know, get a Tesla, whatever. And like, then it would come, you know, all the results would come up and you'd be, you'd click on something and you'd be at the website, boom, you're there. Have you even noticed what the domain name is? Right. No. Do you care? No. Are you not going to buy a Tesla because they don't own the exact match domain name? Of course not. Um, you might have other reasons for not wanting to buy a Tesla now, but uh, back then, no, it never stopped anyone. If people want, if people want you, they'll find you. And it, you know, Google makes it really easy. Absolutely. And, and you're right. The domain name, you know, unless you've got you know, ABC <laughs> and you're selling alphabet books, <laughs> you know, the, there's some, some people value the you know, right. The shorter, you know, the shorter, the name, the, the better. And, and sort of grabbing up all of those. And of course you talked about the dot-com days of, of people just buying up domains to sell like Tesla.com. Somebody bought it yeah. and basically tried to 
force Elon to spend some of his money to get it back. And, and Elon was probably more like, uh, don't think so. I don't need that silly name. Yeah. He didn't need, (laughs) he's already got the reputation and trademark for the real name. Yeah. And now he, now he did pony up and and purchase the domain name for an undisclosed sum, but Facebook was the facebook.com until 2010, uh, Basecamp, Basecamp HQ, Dropbox was get Dropbox. So if you have a good name and you clear your trademark screens, don't let the lack of a exact match domain name stop you. Just add a modifier. So one and you know you can get creative. So there's a you don't even have to have your name in in your domain name. So for instance, there's a smoked turkey company called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys. They you can order a turkey by mail to send to someone as a gift. People do that because <laughs> turkeys can't fly, as we all know from WKRP. So you, you can go. send a turkey, Greenberg smoked turkeys. It, like, you don't know if Greenberg, when I say it, you don't know if it's spelled B-E-R-G or B-U-R-G. So it's not a great name, but their domain name is unforgettable and it's gobblegobble.com. There you go. Yeah. Should be, should be frozen turkey drop. <laughs> as oh. God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Less <laughs> Nussman. Less Nussman, WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. <laughs> and and then you find out they were frozen and it's even worse. <laughs> so, oh, that's so good. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So domains are important. Trademarks are important. What what other aspect of, of naming should somebody consider? Well, I, I think it would be helpful. I think it would be helpful to go through the smile and scratch test because then we can cover them all. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the smile and scratch test is a 12 point name evaluation test. And it's based on my philosophy that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. And it doesn't mean you have to laugh. It just means that your name should create a smile in the mind. So, for instance, if I told you we named a GPS for dogs, Retriever, you, I see you, you're smiling. Yeah. So, like, you get it, right? Like, people want to get it. And everyone, all of us, we want to feel clued in, not clueless, right? There's nothing worse than not getting it. So, make sure that your name isn't arbitrary or ambiguous. So the S in SMILE, so a SMILE is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name great. And all of this is in my book, by the way. I also have an online course with all of this 
in, in much more detail. Um, scratches, when to scratch it off a list because it makes you scratch your head. So smile stands for suggestive. You want, or the S in smile stands for suggestive. You want your name to suggest a positive brand experience. So if you think about Amazon, Amazon is a metaphor for something enormous. And that's what Jeff Bezos was going for when he named the company. So suggestive. Metaphorical names are great for being suggestive. The M in smile stands for memorable. Everyone wants a memorable name. It's the, the word I hear more often than anything else. Uh, and what makes something memorable? Well, something mem is more memorable if it's exists in our, in our existing knowledge base. So example, uh, the bike lock company, Kryptonite. We all know Kryptonite from Superman. Kryptonite repels Superman. So therefore, Kryptonite will repel bike thieves. So that's a that's a really great name that's memorable because it's it's something we already know. Whereas if your name is just kind of random letters or some word, some you know foreign word that people aren't familiar with, it's going to be harder for them to recall it later when they're going through their brain's dusty filing cabinet. The I and smile. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just thought that. The dusty file cabinet in your brain is pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know where I came up with that. <laughs> the I and smile stands for imagery. People remember pictures much more easily than they remember words or letters. So, you know, let's look at kryptonite again. You know, we know when we hear kryptonite, we can picture it in our head, right? We picture Superman being repelled. So it's going to be easier, again, recall brain's dusty filing cabinet, because you might be your product or company, somebody might see it, but they don't need it right away, but they might need it later. How are they going to remember you? Make sure it's based in the familiar. The L in smile stands for legs. And that's what, when we talked about fire talker PR, and that has great legs with the whole theme of fire. So if your name lends itself to a theme or the church of cupcakes, then you can really extend your brand for, you know, added mileage. And finally, the E in smile stands for emotional. And that's really important. You want your name to make an emotional connection with people. Otherwise, it's going to go right over their head. Nice. Okay. And you want to hear Scratch? Of course. Okay. Scratch these are all deal breakers. So my rule is, well, look, I've been doing this long enough to know you don't want any of these. So don't be like, well, I just have one. No, don't have any of these. It, it will, it will haunt you later. So the S in scratch stands for spelling challenge. Your name should not look like a typo. Your name should be spelled exactly how it sounds, right? You're lucky you have, well, your name, Robert Peterson, is spelled how it sounds, right? Although Peterson right. could be E-N, right? Like Scott Peterson. Um, the, but you want your, you want your name. Nobody, you know, you don't want, you don't want a spell check to keep, you know, underlining your name. When, when you ask Siri to look something up and someone's looking, or someone's looking for that, your name, you want Siri to know what you're talking about. That's my kids are my kids and grandkids are all in trouble. So 
<laughs> I named I named my daughter Nikel N I Q E L L E with no U, so it confuses everybody. But yeah, they all think it's a beautiful name. So once you if you hear it first, it's great. If you try to read it first, it messes people up. Yeah, it is a pretty name. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I could see how people would stumble over the spelling. But it looks good on a license plate too. So. Uh, <laughs> um. The let's see the see. C and scratch first C and scratch ends for copycat. Nobody likes a copycat. Why be somebody else when you can be yourself? And when you do copy other people's names, the the first thing they think of when they see your copycat name is. Oh, they copied, they kind of roll their eyes like, oh, they copied so-and-so. And, you know, also when you copy somebody else, you open yourself up to trademark infringement. So again, just really important that you make sure no one else is using your name or a name that's really similar to your name and could be confused with that name. Right. Um, next, the A in scratch stands for annoying. And annoying is means frustrating, right? You do not want your name to frustrate people. So uh, if your name is spelled backwards, for instance, people do that. Serena Williams used to have a clothing line that was Serena spelled backwards, which is not a pretty word. It's like RNS. Like it just, there's no, look, it works for Oprah. Cause when, and maybe that's who she was trying to emulate. Um, Cause I know they're friends, but like Oprah, Oprah spelled backwards is Harpo and her production company is called Harpo Productions. That makes sense. And you don't have to even know that that means that Harpo is Oprah spelled backwards. You don't, or Oprah is, you know, Harpo is Oprah spelled right. backwards. You don't need to know that. Um, it's nice to know. And so, yeah, don't, don't make people guess. There's a, a um, there was this company named Zobni and it was spelled X-O-B-N-I. And it was inbox spelled backwards. And, you know, no one knew that. Like, people don't look at something and automatically spell it backwards. Right. Uh, I have a neighbor friend who's dyslexic who has that unique ability, but most people can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, right, we skipped the R, though. Oh, right. I always skip the R. I don't know why. I'm really bad at spelling. Okay. <laughs> the R is restrictive. So you don't want a name that locks you in and limits your growth in the future. Uh, there, you might be familiar with the national company called Fast Signs. So the tagline for Fast Signs is more than fast, more than signs. I think they outgrew their name, right? 24-hour fitness is not open 24 hours in every location anymore. A 1-800-Flowers sells way more than flowers. Diapers.com sells way more than diapers. So, uh, you know, just look into your crystal ball when you're coming up with your name and think about what your company might be or sell in the future. Then the T in scratch stands for tame. And that simply means that your name is kind of flat, boring, descriptive. You can't afford, as an entrepreneur, you have to have a name that stands out and gets noticed and gets attention and gets sales, right? And if you're tame and you're a wallflower, you just fade into the background. Uh, an, an example I love to give of a super tame name is one that combines two of the most boring words in the in the English language into one super tame name, and it is Network Solutions. Um, then boring. the 
<laughs> yeah, super boring. And then the second C in Scratch stands for Curse of Knowledge. And that's where you know what the name means. Maybe your engineers know what it means or your family knows what it means, but nobody else does. And that's because your name is foreign, meaning it's either a foreign word, literally a, in a foreign language, or that it's just so foreign people don't recognize it. So again, don't be... Don't be arbitrary or ambiguous when when you're naming something. And in business, you you there's no room for ambiguity. You need to be clear and straightforward. And then finally, the H in Scratch stands for hard to pronounce. You want uh, this is, go back to foreign. This happens all the time. Uh, there's that kitchen store named. Sur la table, but it's spelled, it looks like it's sur la table, which means on the table. But in it, because yeah, it means on the table, but you don't pronounce table, table in French. You, and I'm sure I'm butchering this pronunciation, but it's something like <laughs> Which tab. just proves the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, have you ever been in a restaurant, in a foreign restaurant, and you wanted to order something on the menu, but you didn't know how to pronounce it? And you didn't want to embarrass yourself, right? And like in front of either your dining companion, the snooty French waiter, whoever. So you either point to it or you don't order it, you know, or you 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 attempt to pronounce it and embarrass yourself. Nobody wants that. Right. Nice. Smile and scratch. Yeah. And really think about the cringe. Think about. You want your name to be like a welcome mat, not a do not enter sign. And, you know, think about, think about, this never happens with you because your name is so easy. But like my name, Alexandra, my neighbor, Bob, for five and a half years has called me Alexandria. And I don't, I, at this point, it's too late to correct him. <laughs> but when someone is using your name incorrectly, it's it's hard, like, especially if it's, you know, an elder or, you know, a client, like, you, it's hard to correct them because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you and it's uncomfortable for them because they, like, Bob would be mortified if he knew he had been saying my name wrong for the last. <laughs> well, hope he doesn't I listen was... to this episode because he's going to find out. He's Well, I don't know, like, like uh, my boyfriend was here the other day and he was going golfing and his friend Kentucky said, are you going to say goodbye to Alexandria? And Clint said, no, but I'm going to say goodbye to Alexandra. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, so my name, my name just gets messed up because the people are lazy and they want to call me Bob or Rob instead of, instead of Robert, because Robert's so complicated to say, you know, <laughs> extra syllable is just too much for most people. Yeah. <laughs> no, my, no, my dad's name was Robert. So no, Robert is a fine name, but yeah, I could see how people short want to shorten my name to Alex all the time. And, uh, yeah, yes. Yesterday, someone asked me, do you go by Alex or Alexandra? And I said, Alexandra, and they still called me Alex, right? Alex in the emails. Yeah. Nothing worse than when they ask and they still ignore your answer. <laughs> like why even ask if you're just going to ignore my answer? So do you go by Bob or Robert? I go by Robert. Okay, Bob. Thanks. What, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and people do it all the time. So I imagine you get the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I do. It's weird when they ignore your answer. Like, why did you even ask me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been this has been so fantastic. And how can people find you? 
Alexandra. You can find me at eatmywords.com is the website. If you want to run your name through the Smile and Scratch test, there's an interactive version of it on our website where you put in your name. It will ask you 12 questions and give you feedback. And uh, so I encourage everybody to do that. It's right on the homepage. It says test a name. And you can email me at alexandra at eatmywords.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. If you send me an invitation, please tell me you heard me on the podcast. Otherwise, I might ignore your invitation. <laughs> yeah, it's getting more and more complicated. <laughs> on LinkedIn yeah, now. please don't try to sell me anything. That's just the worst on LinkedIn, right? You connect with someone and then like, like, boom, you got like an auto email, like trying to sell you something like don't do that. Well, it's probably the people trying to sell, you know, naming convention and marketing. Mm -hmm. Like you, you look like you could use a name. I really love what you're mm -hmm. doing, but let me help you name your products. <laughs> <laughs> Are you even paying any attention to what you're sending out here? Oh, so crazy. Alexandra, I end every episode with a guest sharing their words of wisdom for the entrepreneurs listening. So Alexandra, what would your words of wisdom be? Be fearless and don't be afraid to change your name. We recently renamed a bank that was more than 100 years old. They were called First National Bank of Syracuse, an award-winning regional bank in Syracuse, Kansas. So uh, we rebranded them with a much more aspirational, modern name, which is Dream First. Nice. They still have first in their name. Look at that. Yeah, they still have first in their name. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander, thank you so much for joining me and, and hanging out and sharing so much wisdom. I really appreciate Thanks, Robert. It was on. fun to be on your show. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be, losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do, like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Charlie Stivers and Robert talk about crypto, the blockchain technology, and how important it is for entrepreneurs to start learning now. This technology solution is not going away, so learn how to use it, invest in it, and understand the ins and outs. Charlie takes away the confusion and teaches the tools to help investors add crypto to their portfolio the right way.